Hey, how you going? It's time for another episode of the TST Travel Podcast. This one will be all about our adventures through Arizona, Joshua Tree National Park in California, and our first few days in Baja, California, Mexico. Uh, So when I started doing this podcast, I resolved that it wouldn't just be all the good stuff. It would be an honest account of sort of our trip and anything that we found hard or challenging or anything like that. So uh, that'll be a a part of uh, the Baja California episodes, um, what we liked and what we didn't like, but uh, this is also about our trip through Arizona and Joshua Tree National Park, which is pretty cool. Uh, don't forget to check us out on social media, TST Travel Podcast on Facebook and Instagram for me, theroamingstreet.com or the Roaming Street on Facebook and Instagram for Kirsten's blog, uh, and... Yeah, we've also created a YouTube channel. It only has one video up there at the moment. It's a bit of a vlog. Kirsten and I figured we're making all this stuff sort of side by side, so why not uh, collaborate on something and do it together? Um, so check out that. That is that vlog's all about our first couple of days in Baja, California as well. So if you want to have a bit of a watch and see some of the stuff that we saw, check that out for sure as well. And don't forget to leave us uh, comments and uh, anything you think of what you hear on... Um, on our blogs or or the podcast we really appreciate hearing from our uh, audiences and uh yeah let it get chuck us up a review on facebook and uh anywhere you listen to this as well itunes or anything like that uh just help some other people find the show so hope you enjoy this one and uh here it comes so this episode starts with us driving out of uh out of Utah, we said goodbye to the big red rocks and the long flat stretches of desert and headed towards the Grand Canyon in Arizona. So we decided that we wanted to do both uh, edges of the Grand Canyon, uh, the north and south rim. The south rim sort of the more popular one, the one that gets visited by a lot of people who sort of drive to Vegas and stuff because you have to drive all the way around it to get back to the uh, other side um, to see both edges and it's already a long drive from somewhere like Vegas so not many people want to add the extra four or eight hour round trip uh, on to see the other rim of it but uh, we were lucky enough to be coming from the north towards the south so we got to see both uh, both sides we got to the north rim later in the afternoon i think it was about 2 30 or 3 o'clock in the afternoon when we got there and it's a pretty long drive in from where the the park like the national park actually starts it's um it's a bit of a cruise through we saw some bison which was cool to see some uh some wildlife we hadn't seen much wildlife in utah except for a couple of deer at uh at Capitol Reef National Park, so it was cool to see um, some bison again uh, out in the the plains grazing a little bit there, and um, yeah, we headed in towards. We drove straight into where the Grand Canyon North Rim Ridge is, uh, the ridge, bleh, uh, the North Rim Lodge, which is where all the rich people stay. <laughs> um, definitely was a place that was well out of our budget, but. Um, it was really cool like they still let you go into the the main sort of areas of the lodge and check out the views and just absolutely phenomenal views like as i said in the last episode of the podcast we were thinking after having driven through utah and seeing canyonlands and arches and stuff like that we're like ugh it's just another hole in the ground like is it really going to be that impressive that interesting like what is it is it going to be anything special we're sort of a little bit pessimistic about it i suppose um but when we got there we were totally blown away and it was definitely worth the the trip to see both rims of the canyon uh, but that north rim if you only have time to do one and you can get to the north rim definitely go check it out because it's it's just better the the viewpoints are better you get to see more um i think you get to i think the colors and the the view of the colorado river is, is a bit better um it was just a stunning place to to go and visit like you look out and see that what hundreds and hundreds and probably millions of years um of just river and rain and wind can do and it just makes a pretty spectacular viewpoint it's a such a long way down and the the way that it cuts out different parts and causes um causes the big sort of ridge lines in the middle and the standalone sort of big tall things uh big tall stone structures in the middle it's um 
one of those places that you just have to see in your life before uh, before it's too late and um yeah it's definitely a cool sort of spot in the lodge there they have a a couple of different restaurants we were thinking about eating there but then we saw the prices on the menu and we're like mm, i don't think we're gonna do that um so we just went and sort of adventured around a little bit and checked out a couple of the short little walks to to see out on some of the the points uh some of the big viewpoints and it was um yeah breathtaking it was one of those places where we were lucky enough as well to get there at sunset and it was a pretty cool sort of sunset and um just Kirsten and I stood there at certain times of it and just sort of looked at each other in silence and just shook our heads like we couldn't believe how unbelievable it looked like it was just crazy how um how impressive it is and it definitely blew both of us away so we went to sort of the drive that we went on you could fork in the road in two different spots and we went to both of them uh checked it out took about a thousand million photos uh 7-eleven photos and um yeah checked it all out we feel like we got to adventure it pretty well um we hung out on one of the viewpoints and watched the the sky change the sunset and then we realized that we hadn't really thought of anywhere to camp and we didn't have dinner yet. Um, so we set up the stove. We didn't even, it wasn't one of those things that was annoying. Like a couple of times we um, haven't gotten to camp and have had to set up camp and cook dinner in the dark and it's been a little bit frustrating, but this time it was just totally worth it. We watched a, a massive storm roll in over the side, other side of the, um, the canyon and luckily for us, the wind was blowing the other way uh, so we knew it wasn't sort of going to come back and bite us but the the colors that were through the sky and it was just um it was one of those nights that you'll remember for a, a really really long time and then we uh had our gourmet dinner after that we um set up the stove and cooked ourselves up a couple of packets of walmart 97 cent box mac and cheese uh we tossed a couple of bits of bacon bits in there and had ourselves a nice nutritious dinner. Um, packed all that up. By the time we started heading, we had to drive all the way back out of the camp because we had found a, a free campsite. And um, it was a fair drive out. I think it took us about an hour, hour and a half to drive out to where the, the campsite was. Um, and by that time, we were both pretty tired and we thought, ah, stuff it, we'll just sleep in the car. So... Uh, we got the sleeping bags out. We drove into where the campsite is, so uh, we were off the the main roads and stuff, and didn't really have to worry about getting hassled any more than we would in in the tent. So um, yeah, we just rolled the sleeping bags out. Kirsten got in the back seat and curled up, and I just laid the back the driver's seat down and closed the eyes. And we'd um, seeing how we'd done that long hike through the narrows in the morning. It had been we'd been up since about quarter to six in the morning. It was a pretty big day um and uh yeah we just sort of rolled to sleep and woke up pretty much as soon as the sun rose that was about 5 30 in the morning but uh yeah we went um off we went and it was a, a bit of a drive through to the other rim i think it took us two or three hours to drive from the north to the south rim um we got there nice and early in the morning though and just uh headed on through for a bit of adventuring through there we stopped at the first sort of main viewpoint at uh the south rim and decided that it wasn't just wasn't like it was still impressive and it was still unbelievable and if you could only go to the south rim it's not like it's anticlimactic but uh definitely after having seen that north rim of the park at sunset the way we did um the south rim didn't sort of feel like anything new so we sort of cruised through that pretty quick we still sort of looked around and took some pictures and there was uh, a few massive big birds of prey up there which were pretty cool which we spent some time taking some photos and stuff like that of but yeah after after going to the north rim at sunset um the the south rim at 10 o'clock in the morning when it was jam-packed full of tourists was eh one of those just it was the same thing but just not quite as as good so Kirsten and I went back to the car. Kirsten's hair was giving her the 
the Irrits, it was pissing off a little bit. And before we left for this trip, Kirsten had taught me, Kirsten and her sister had taught me how to braids, because she, uh, how to put braids in, because she knew that uh, we would probably be a little bit of time between uh, showers, and thus uh, we'd be a bit of time between hair washes. So sometimes she'd just need it uh, braided to get it out of the way. And she doesn't like doing it herself because uh, her shoulders get sore and she feels like she can never really get it quite 100%. So they taught me how to do it. And uh, Kirsten asked me to put her hair in a braid before we left and did our drive for the day. And as I was sitting, we sort of set up a seat at the back of the Suburban and I was sitting in the Suburban doing it. And this uh, girl runs over and goes, oh my God, you guys are so cute. And was like, I have to take a picture. And we're like, with what? Like, why do you want to take a picture of us? And she's like, no, for you guys, for you guys. Um, so she grabbed my phone off me and took a couple of pictures, which was uh, a good laugh. And um, she ran over to her, her friends in the car and she was like, ah. she was talking to them all about it and how impressed she was that a boy could do a, a decent braid. So I felt pretty chuffed with myself about all that. Um, and we jumped in the car and headed down towards Phoenix. Um, so when we were in Nebraska City, we um we had met up with uh, a couple of people um of course all of our friends there and as we were leaving uh one of our friends sent us a message and he was like oh if you're going through uh Arizona or Phoenix make sure you give my son Jesse a call uh and he'll um he'll take you guys out or show you show you take you out for dinner or whatever and we're like oh yeah that sounds like a good plan um so we just uh, added Jesse on Facebook and um, sent him a message like, hey, we're going to be in Phoenix this afternoon. Like, do you guys want to go out for dinner or um, do you want to catch up? And this, again, was someone that we'd never even met before and he, his dad had just referred us on to him. And, um, yeah, he, we, he messaged us back pretty much straight away and he was like, oh, yeah, do you guys want a place to stay? Like, you're camping. Do you want a shower and stuff? And... We were like, oh, we don't want to impose or anything like that. And he was like, oh, don't be silly. Anyone who's good by all the people in Nebraska City, he's originally from Nebraska City. Um, that's where his, his dad's from. Uh, anyone who's good with those people is good with us. Yeah, come and hang out. You can stay in our spare room and all the rest of it. And um, he goes, as long as you don't mind dogs. And, of course, Kirsten and I have our Alaska Malamute at home. We're starting to miss her, so it was nice to be around a couple of puppies. And... Um, yeah, they took us into the house and we sort of only planned to stay there for a day or two and we ended up staying, I think we stayed three or, f I think we stayed four days, three nights or something like that, um, which was really, oh shit, I'm doing this podcast in the middle of a forest. Yeah, so we got there um, in the mid-afternoon and uh, Carla, Jesse's wife, was home uh, from work already, so she sort of led us into the house and took us through and gave us a bit of tour and after we sat down at the bench and chatted for about 10 minutes and Kirsten and I knew from that moment that they were our kind of people and we knew we'd get on really well with them just like we got on well with everybody from um, Nebraska City and they're like oh do you want to come out for trivia with us tonight well oh, yeah that sounds like fun and we went out that night and went into the sort of downtown Phoenix area and had some beers and a bit of dinner and um, had to go at some trivia, which was good fun just to be out and around, uh, some, some people for a change. We'd been a little bit, uh, recluse in our camping. We'd only sort of caught up with, we'd only really seen since Nebraska City, we'd only really hung out with one or two different people that we just stumbled across at, across at campsites and stuff like that. So, uh, it was definitely nice to be around some, some people and to be able to have some fun and a few beers and all that sort of stuff. And, uh, yeah, it was uh, a cool little trip into um, into Phoenix, and then the next day we sort of hung out in the pool. Phoenix is a really hot place, and Jesse and Carla have a pool there, so hung out at the pool and just hung out in the house and the aircon and stuff like that, and went out for dinner that night as well, and checked out a, a couple of different sort of local attractions and local shows, and they showed us a really good time. Um, Again, the next day was pretty chill as well. Just hung out in the pool and hung out around the house. And it was good to sort of kick back, relax and enjoy the um, the 
fact that we didn't have to drive anywhere and we didn't have to set up camp and pump up the air mattress and be somewhere new every night it was nice just to have a bed and have a bit of a base for a few days and I felt like we could have stayed there for uh, a, a little while longer we went out on the the last night with them to a couple of friends house and we had carne asada which is like uh, marinated beef and they were of Hispanic uh, descent so they um, cooked up a big feast of uh, Mexican style food and even though we were heading to Mexico in a couple of days, we were like, yep, we'll definitely tuck into that. So um, had some tacos and stuff like that and sort of sat around and talked and hung out. And it was, yeah, it was a really cool few days. And um, it was a little bit sad to, to leave the guys, but it was off and on to the next section of the adventure there. So it was a real big drive day. We got up nice and early in the morning and uh, jumped on the interstate out of Phoenix and headed towards... Uh, Joshua Tree National Park. We knew that we were going to check out Joshua Tree because we were going to cross the uh, Mexican border at a place called Mexicali, um, which is on the sort of, it's one of the more eastern border crossings for Baja, California, which is that little bit that sticks out underneath um, California in America that isn't sort of attached to the, the mainland. It's a bit of a peninsula there. Um, but yeah, we knew that we would be sort of chilling in Joshua Tree and around, we'd picked out a, a campsite at Joshua Tree for that, well, just next to Joshua Tree and some free camping there. Um, so we drove pretty much all day down the interstate, 75 miles an hour, not much to see, just desert, flat plains, uh, wasn't a super big exciting day, we sort of just filled up the, um, the Suburban with gas in Phoenix and headed down to, uh, or headed across the, the highway, and um, yeah, long drive day, we got to Joshua Tree uh, in the afternoon, and it was one of those places that uh, we realised how spoilt we'd been for scenery and stuff like that in the last um, last few weeks, because we were sort of driving through it, and we're like, oh, it's, it's nice, I suppose, but it wasn't super interesting, like, um, or the first section wasn't super sort of enthralling. It was sort of flat plains and some plants and stuff like that. And we checked it out. And the further we drove into Joshua Tree, the more interesting it got. Like there was, um, once you could actually see all the different Joshua Trees and, uh, make them all out, it was a good spot to go for a cruise. We had fun. We got on, um, some of the rock formations there and you can climb all over those. So we spent an hour or two adventuring through all those and climbing up and down and all around those Kirsten slipped over and scun her knee which we had to run back to the car and patch her up with some alcohol wipes and that was actually the first use the the first aid kits got uh, for the trip so far which was good to know that everything we needed was sort of in there for a well just for a scraped knee I cleaned her up with an alcohol wipe and some band-aids and a bit of bandage and off we were going again, and um, yeah, we were actually done with Joshua Tree. We got through it in a couple of hours. Again, it's one of those places that you could probably spend a day or two there if you wanted to go on a couple of longer hikes, or if you were into rock climbing. There's apparently some really cool rock climbing spots there, but um, we we did it in probably four hours with uh, with all our adventuring around and checking it out. We didn't get out a heap. Um, we were sort of a bit over it after driving in the car all day we sort of just wanted to get to our campsite and set up camp and go from there and uh, we got to the the northern point of Joshua Tree and went and found somewhere to fill up the Suburban again because the big thirsty whale just that big V8 slurped through that fuel nice and quickly and we knew that uh, fuel was going to be even more expensive through Baja California we'd been getting it somewhere around three dollars a gallon in uh, in the u.s which is still under a dollar a liter and we had read that it was somewhere around a dollar to a dollar and um a dollar and 10 15 cents u.s a liter in um in baja california so we knew that we we're in for a bit of hurt there so we decided to fill up uh as much as we could before we crossed the border and uh yeah, so we sort of cruised around. We went into Palm Springs for a bit of dinner. We had our classic Wendy's four for four dollar meal, and um, yeah, it was uh, it was pretty cool. We headed towards our uh, campsite for the night, which is basically back at the uh, entry point of 
Joshua Tree National Park, uh, just on some Bureau of Land Management land there. The free camps, another one of our good little wiki camps, free campsites. We've um, I've talked about it before, but we've got this app on on the phone, which is just uh, people who like camping find all the different campsites in the US, and you just fill out the details if it's an RV park, if it's a paid campsite, if it's a free campsite, or whatever it is. And we've had a few misses, but mainly in the US they were mainly hits like they were mainly really good spots and um and a lot of them were free which is really handy when you're trying to truck around on a bu- on a budget so we um sort of just drove along there was two entry points to it and we sort of just went to the um the first entry point as we drove into the road the map said to go to the second one but it didn't really matter all that much to us Kirsten was pretty tired after uh, our day's driving and sort of our little adventure in the afternoon and uh, it was dark by the time we got to the campsite I think it was 8 30 9 o'clock at night and um, we set up the tent and pumped up the air mattress and climbed into bed I was doing a bit of reading and um, Kirsten just curled up and went to sleep pretty much straight away and we were sort of sitting there and we could hear it sounded like a helicopter and we're like oh what's this like I wonder what's going on here and the helicopter just sort of started circling and circling and circling and there was no lights or anything on it. And I sort of, Kirsten had woken up by this point and I looked at her and went, oh, it must be some sort of like military exercise or something, like police training or something like that. And then the circles got a bit tighter and it was probably every 30 seconds that um, the helicopter would complete the circle and it was getting a little bit lower because you could hear it a little bit more what's going on I'm sort of started to look around and I was starting to freak out and Kirsten looked at me and goes what we're not doing anything illegal like what are we doing what's going on Uh, why is there a helicopter above us like what's happening and then he turned um he turned the red flashing lights on to sort of signal where he was and I looked around and I could see three or four cars heading up the next access road which is where we were thinking we were probably going to be camped um that night if we had followed the map exactly to uh where it told us to go and um yeah we were sort of looking around going what is happening here and then all the lights came on on the helicopter and the spotlight came out and we're like jesus like what is happening here and um then the helicopter started talking and it goes jonathan murray come out of the vehicle with your hands up and I was like, holy shit, what is happening? Like, there's a raid or something going on. By this time, Kirsten and I had jumped out of the tent and we were sort of just watching there in awe of what was happening around us. And the helicopter just kept uh, going around and around in circles, repeating itself over the massive big loudspeaker. Come out with your hands up. We do not want to hurt you. This is the, I can't remember what county, we are in Sheriff Department. Come out with your hands up. And I was like, Kirsten, get in the car. Like, we went and stood behind the car in case the bullets started flying. There was a million scenarios sort of flying through our head. We didn't know if we were going to be laying there and there was going to be some crazy guy that was all hopped up on meth, run past our tent and trying to take us as a hostage. We were freaking out a little bit. So we were both sort of huddled back behind the car and we were wondering what was going on. And there was flashlights all over. We could see there was like a an RV parked up there. And there's flashlights going on everywhere and we could see three or four cop cars full of people there. We're like, what is happening? We're really glad we didn't camp on that other campsite now. And um, yeah, that other road and it was just like a crazy, I went on for like half an hour and then oh, we sort of climbed back into bed because we figured nothing too bad was going to happen. They must have had it pretty well under control. We hadn't heard any gunshots or anything like that and the helicopter had pissed off back to base. So we're like, oh that was interesting and uh of course then the heart was going a million miles a minute so there wasn't a whole lot of sleep that was going to be going on that night but uh i just kept on reading my book and kirsten sort of laid there for a little while and she nodded off back to sleep she can go to sleep pretty easily for those of you who don't know her um she can go to sleep pretty well anywhere uh and um yeah that was that the three or four cop cars that had come in all drove out past us or not past us but along the sort of main access road there and we sort of went i suppose that's that i guess they got him or he wasn't there (laughs) 
Um, so that was a, an interesting little experience. And we sort of got up in the morning. We're like, we have to go check that out, don't we? We have to go see what they were, um, what all the fuss was about. So we drove up that road that we we're supposed to be camping on and checked it out. And there was a smashed window out of the RV and. It's like, oh, geez, there must have been some fun going on there. But, uh, yeah, it was uh, it was an interesting little experience for us. So, after that, we um, packed up the tent. Oh, sorry, we packed up the tent before we headed over and checked out the, uh, the raid site from the night before. And we knew that day was going to be a border crossing day. So, we figured that we should probably allow a bit of time, like get up nice and early in the morning, try and get there before any of the sort of traffic gets through and uh, allow some time to get checked through by customs and all the rest of it. And we sort of drove to the border crossing at Mexicali there and, hmm, wasn't exactly what I expected for a border crossing. It was the first time I'd ever done an overland border crossing and uh, Kirsten had done a fair few when she did her Africa tour. Um, So I was expecting um, to sort of pull up in the town. We went and got some um, some money out and filled up the car with with petrol one more time so we didn't have to fill up or we had a full tank as we headed into Mexico. Um, to try and save a bit of money and I was expecting you know drive up get to a booth get have someone look through all the car hand over your passports pay for a visa or whatever temporary tourist visa or something get stamps in the passport and then you'd head into town well I could not have been more wrong (laughs) Uh, we got to the the border crossing and there's big signs saying this is the border crossing this is the border crossing and it's like yep cool you go over a speed hump, there's a thing that looks like a speed camera there, takes photos of your license plate. We sort of drove up and there was two ladies in federal police uniforms and I sort of wound down my window and, hola, buenos dias, uh, do you want us to stop here? And uh, no, they waved us along through and there was another guy that was probably 10 metres away from them and stopped there, hola, buenos dias, stop here, like, do you want us to want to look at the car or is this where we get our passport stamped and he just waved us through and I was like okay and about 10 meters the other side of him were two dudes in full military uniform with big guns and all the rest of it and looked at those two guys and I went oh this is where we must have to stop to get inspected and all the rest of it and stop there hola buenos dias um buenos dias for anyone who doesn't know is like good morning in uh, Spanish and they sort of looked at us and waved us through and I was like, oh, um, there must be another spot to stop and there's a checkpoint where you'll get out and you'll um, be there and nope. Drive over that speed hump, get your photo taken and drive through the little uh, section there with all the people and you're in Mexico, buddy. And I just wasn't prepared for that. <laughs> um, I don't know what it was that m- it made me anxious like it was confusing and I was just I was confused amazed I don't know what it was about how you could just drive over a speed hump and be in another country and how they did not care whatsoever about like what or who was coming into the country it was really I I can't describe it well enough I'm not articulate enough to describe the feeling that I felt it was just it was, it made me feel uncomfortable that you could just go there, like it was just, you were just in Mexico now, like I don't like waiting in lines at customs as much as the next person, and it was pretty, like it was nice to not have to do that, but it was also just a, a really odd feeling to be in a whole new country, driving on very average sort of roads, and not really being prepared, or for, for any of that like I'd prepared myself to spend maybe like half an hour 45 minutes going through customs and getting ready to get into Mexico and then we'd drive and we'd be there and I sort of looked at Kirsten and went what like we thought we'd probably get in we didn't buy any groceries or anything like that because we figured we'd get inspected and we wouldn't have we wouldn't be able to bring any sort of organic produce or anything like that through the border just because we're used to being in Australia where you're not even allowed to take bananas between states or stuff like that so we're like oh we'll probably have to throw out any food that we buy so we'll need to go to a supermarket when we get there and all the rest of it and Mexicali was a pretty hectic place and there wasn't 
we were following our Google Maps like we downloaded the offline maps because we knew we wouldn't have phone service once we got into Mexico. Um, and, yeah, it was really weird. So we directed ourselves to a, a supermarket and it was... We couldn't figure out how to get into it because there wasn't great signs how to get into it. And I said, to, I looked at Kirsten and I went, Jesus Christ, it's harder to get into their supermarkets than it is to get into their whole bloody country. Um... And, yeah, we sort of looked around and we got through Mexicali and we just sort of followed the main road. We knew that we were headed to San Felipe and there was um, some camps, free campsites there um, that we were planning on using. And we sort of went, we got through Mexicali and it was pretty hectic to drive in Mexico, like, um, especially as a first experience when you're feeling a little bit confused and perplexed about the border crossing whole situation and then you get into a very fast-paced hustle and bustle everyone's flying around you no one's doing the speed limit all the cars look well not all the cars but a lot of the cars look very dodgy and no one indicates and there's speed humps in the middle of main roads for no reason that aren't signed and it was a pretty hectic sort of experience so we got out of Mexicali we started heading towards San Felipe we just stopped at a 7-Eleven to just stop and take a breath and take a beat and sort of figure out what we we're doing and get some food and um, we both got a couple of sandwiches and a juice and we're like okay well, I suppose we're in Mexico now and it was just one of those things uh, such an odd feeling to try and describe because it's sort of like it was a feeling of confusion I think is the best way to describe it like how are we just in Mexico now but we were and we were about to head um, down the road to San Felipe. So um, we drove between Mexicali and San Felipe. It was, there was a lot of desert. Um, again, wasn't a super, it was sort of like driving through some of the parts of Utah that weren't super exciting. Um, we sort of drove on, there were some nice hills and stuff like that, but Again, we'd been pretty spoiled for scenery over the last few weeks uh, through Yellowstone and Colorado and stuff like that. So it was just a bit of a drive day. The roads were rough. Um, it was You definitely knew you were in Mexico. You definitely weren't in Kansas anymore. <laughs> and um, yeah, so the roads were a little bit rough. The main thing that I found that was a little bit odd about the roads was most of them, uh, so the Mexican speed limits are all in kilometres an hour, luckily enough in the Suburban it has both on the speedo, um, but most of the roads there, the speed limit, because they're not great roads, is 80 kilometres an hour, so we were sort of cruising along at 80 kilometres an hour, not wanting to get into any trouble with the police and stuff like that, and um, it, everybody, everybody who came up to us passed us, and I mean past us, past us, like doing 100, 110, 120 in their beat up old cars or new cars or whatever it is. Um, they are not shy to have a good crack. And then some parts of the road that they've fixed up, um, you can do 110 on. It's, but the speeds don't seem to change arbitrarily as well. Like you'll just be driving along and then it'll be 80 and then it'll be 100, then it'll be 60, then it'll be 80 and... It could be a little bit confusing, so you really had to pay attention. A lot of the roads there as well didn't have any sort of shoulder. That was just the width of the vehicle, and that's being generous. Like, we had a big a big car having the Suburban, and, um, yeah, you definitely knew you were in a big car in Mexico because it was tight on those lanes. Um, in a lot of different spots, we stopped uh, at another little spot along the way, um about halfway between Mexicali and San Felipe, which was going to be our destination for the day, uh, to just go to the loo and um, get a couple of drinks at a, a service station there because we hadn't, again, hadn't had the chance to go into a supermarket. And we came across probably the most aggressive salesperson we came across in Mexico. He was a dude selling tamales out of the boot of his car at a gas station. And I did not feel like getting horrible food poisoning that day eating food out of the boot of someone's car and I was like no no thank you no gracias and he followed us all the way to the car come on bro try my tamales try them they're the best try them try them try my try this try that and he just gave it everything he got all and followed me all the way around the corner of the building all the way to the car 
closed the door and he's still talking to me as I was reversing away in the suburban. I was like, looked at Kirsten and I went, oh, Jesus, this isn't what it's going to be like, is it? Like, this isn't what Mexico's going to be like. Um, every time we stop, we're going to have to fight off a horde of people trying to sell us shit. And it wasn't, but it was the start of a little bit of a bipolar relationship that we had with Baja California, which um, we talk about a little bit in the vlog that Kirsten and I did. Um, if you want to check out the vlog, it's on YouTube at the TST time by, so it's like a TST XTRS uh, vlog. Um, we described our first, basically what I've just described, our first few days, but you get Kirsten and my viewpoint, and it's a video, and it'll show us, show all the different sort of stuff that we saw. Um, so if you're <coughs> interested in that, check that out for sure. Um, but yeah, we sort of kept on driving. We got to San Felipe, and San Felipe was a cool little town. It was definitely a touristy little town. Um, some markets and stuff like that. Uh, some shops, people selling like little sailing boat cruises around the little bay that they have there um some really nice spots there's really nice spots to go and eat uh and all that sort of stuff um kirsten and i sort of just wandered around the the beachfront walk there and uh through a couple of the little markets and sort of checked it out and went and got some uh groceries from the shopping we found, finally found a shopping center that we could get into so we went and got some groceries to cook up some food for that night uh, we wanted to get to our campsite nice and early so we could set up during the day and if the one that we found we had to stop using Wikicamps because Wikicamps only works in the US um, so we were using some that we found on freecampsites.net and let's just say they weren't as reliable as the Wikicamps one um, I think we had one or two in the whole three weeks that we were in Baja California actually work out um, that we could actually get to so we we're driving along this road just outside of San Felipe and the rule in Mexico that we'd read about before is that uh, you're allowed to camp for free anywhere on the beach but being the the place that it is everyone's sort of taking advantage of that and sure you can camp for free on the beach if you can get to one and uh, a lot of the roads have massive big signs that head towards the beach have massive big signs on them that say private property keep out no entry no access to the beach you can't get through here um, and a lot of the time we learned a little bit later in our trip that uh, all of those places have to have easements so the the people can get to the beach but you don't have to be able to drive up them so that was a little bit of a catch to the the free camping that we had discovered um, so we went sort of up one road for a little bit and then there were signs everywhere so we turned around and we ended up getting towards the beach but then there was houses all on the beachfront and there was no real access point to the beach and we didn't know how to get there to set up a tent and we didn't really want to camp just in front of someone's house on the beach so we weren't really sure what to do and this was the first major complication of our Mexico trip so we were sort of driving around and it was sort of a sandy road but the road base was really hard um so we were fine driving along it as i said I've, as i've said in other episodes of the podcast the suburban is a four-wheel drive but it has older highway tread tires on it so we weren't really going to be doing any major league off-roading in it um and as well it's our only transport around so we don't want to thrash it and break it to death and then have to pay for it to uh to get fixed so we were just sort of cruising around along these dirt road, uh, along these sandy roads, looking for a, a place to camp, uh, a place to get towards the beach and camp. And we um, sort of came up to this little rise, and I'm like, "Oh yeah, we'll get through that." And that's when the day turned to absolute shit. Um, we hit the little rise and got very, very bogged. Um, I thought maybe we could reverse out of it. Uh, we couldn't. I knew that I couldn't let the tires down because there was we didn't have an air compressor with us and I knew that we wouldn't make it back into town on the terrible Mexican roads that led us out to where we were uh, on low PSI tires. I was like, shit, what are we going to do? So it was about 110 degrees in the sand at that point or about 40 degrees 40 45 degrees outside at this point the sun was absolutely beating down and Kirsten and I got out and tried to dig the wheels out and dig the underneath of the car out and we were 
getting a bit paranoid because there wasn't really anyone around and started to think, oh shit, this is how fucking horror movies start. Two white tourists stranded by themselves with no phone service uh, in another country with a car that's stuck and can't get anywhere and we started to sort of panic a little bit and we tried to dig ourselves out and that didn't work and we were starting to get exhausted and heat struck not that I realized it at the time but I was sweating absolute buckets and hadn't had a heap of water that day like we've been sitting in the air-conditioned car all day so it wasn't a massive thing for us and we ended up deciding that we had to go try and find some help there was a couple of uh, construction workers up from us not too far uh, so Kirsten went up on a, a bit of a walk with Google Translate in hand to try and figure out um, if they could give us a hand and Kirsten went up there and said ah, hola buenos dias uh, and then started asking for help in Spanish using the helpful Google Translate and the guy goes yeah what do you need a hand with <laughs> so it turned out that he spoke perfect English which was really handy and they came down in their little pickup truck and the first thing the dude said to me when he looked at me was oh shit that's deep and I went oh shit's right um, but they were really really handy and helpful they chucked a couple of planks of wood down under the back tires and got a bit of um, rope and tied it between their truck and the tow bar of the Suburban and dragged us out which was phenomenal and um, I was absolutely spent by then I'd been digging in the hot sand by with just my hand like we didn't have a great shovel or anything like that um and with a bit of panic and not much water and sweating buckets and I was well and truly toasted by then I was a bit sunburned as well because I hadn't really planned to be in the sun so I hadn't put sunscreen on or anything like that so I was burnt we um drove back along the ways a little while and there was a sign to a, a signposted campsite and we drove into that and it was put. <coughs> It was perfect, like there was um, toilets and showers and it seemed to be sort of like abandoned, um, which was weird, but we were like, well, there's campsites set out here and there's toilets and there's access to the beach, so let's just pull up and if we sort of looked around for an owner or an office and there wasn't an owner or an office, so we were like, oh, okay, I suppose this will do um, for us for the night, I think it's the best we we're going to do, and uh, if we had to pay, we had to pay. We set up the tent and I was ready for bed. I was spent. Like I didn't I don't think I even ate dinner that night. I pumped up the air mattress and just went and went for a lay down. I was absolutely exhausted and didn't have a great feeling about Mexico at that time. We had had a pretty hectic sort of day and um it was yeah, it was one of those things where it was a, one of the first real tests of the trip. One of the first real full-length tough days and it was weird that it was a tough day because uh, up until the time we got bogged nothing had really happened but it was really mentally draining being in that sort of confused mindset about the border crossing and then freaking out that we'd maybe done something wrong and that we didn't we didn't have something that we needed even though we were pretty sure that we had everything that we needed and um we'd been through a couple of military checkpoints as well which was an interesting sort of between um, Mexicali and San Felipe which is basically you drive up and they've just got they've usually got like toilets and a canteen for the soldiers but there'll be 10, 15, 20 soldiers all standing there fully and I mean fully armed like massive big fully automatic assault rifles with big scopes and full ready to go to war gear like helmets, vests, boots full camo, massive guns, guns on their hips, all the rest of it. And it was just like, it was a little bit confronting for someone who'd never, I'd never been through military checkpoints either before, so that was a little bit confronting. And when there's a dude standing outside the car door asking why you're there, and he's got a gun that nearly touches the ground from his shoulder, that in you look around and you go, Jesus, what sort of stuff happens here? Like, are we safe? Um, but nothing bad happened to us the nothing really bad happened to us the whole time we were in Baja California um yeah so we'd been bogged I was absolutely exhausted laying in bed and then a car sort of speeds up to the the campsite where we were camping and a guy sort of winds down the window and says you want to camp here you gotta pay 
and we're like okay like there's no signs there's nowhere to pay like we weren't doing the wrong thing and he's like oh it'll be 20 us dollars a night and we're like oh, how about 30 and i didn't have the energy to haggle at this time i was like oh, just pay him i'm not packing up camp and finding somewhere new um but kirsten haggled with him for a bit and we decided to stay for a couple of nights just to get over that initial day of being exhausted and being get a little bit more used to uh Baja California and, and Mexico and stuff like that so we uh, settled on 30 bucks US for two nights of camping which was all right like there was showers and inverted commas there um, which you can see on the vlog where basically a small piece of 20 mil PVC pipe which water came out of um, but there were toilets and it was easy and it was set up already and we knew that we were going to be seemed to be somewhat safe there so um we did that for the day and then um woke up the next day had some water felt a lot better we went into san felipe and uh went to the markets and bought a couple of hammocks um and all we did the rest of the next day we went and um set up the hammocks read some books had some cold beer went for a swim in the beach and just sort of wound down and relaxed a little bit, which was a nice change from the day before. Uh, we'd had a pretty intense day, so it was nice to just sort of sit back and relax a little bit. And um, yeah, we didn't do a whole lot that day. We we got a couple of, as I said, we got a couple of hammocks and basically just sat in those and read our books and had a couple of cold beers. I think I did a podcast that night, um, which would be one of the windier ones that you might have had to listen to. Um, and yeah, it was nice to just sit back and relax and the swing of our opinion on, or my opinion on Baja California swung back a little bit more to the, the liking it side. Um, beautiful beaches and nice spot to go for a swim and all the rest of that sort of stuff. So it was good to just sort of kick back and relax. Um, after San Felipe, we knew that we had to get down to a little place called Santa Rosalia. Um and that was going to be a fair bit of a drive we so we in the middle of Baja California there's basically a desert where there's nothing there's no fuel stations nothing there's just like a road and that's how you get to the south it's road and a couple of towns with very very little in the way of supplies um and we knew that going in so we knew that that day was going to be a pretty big drive day um, so we headed off early in the morning uh, filled up with fuel for the first time in Baja which was painful um, to see how much it was going to cost us and then we headed down highway 5 so there was two main roads in highway 5 highway uh, in Baja California there was one that comes from down south from Tijuana on the western side of Baja um, and there was highway 5 which sort of came from Mexicali, San Felipe, and then that sort of went back across to the west and joined onto the, the highway number one. So we figured, oh, it's a, like, it's one of the main highways in Baja, California, so it's got to be some sort of reasonable road. Whoo, dolly, were we wrong. We were in for a real fucking treat that day. It was, um, and again, the, the opinion of Baja California swung back to the, especially that morning, the, oh my God, is this what it's going to be like? Um, so we got driving down the road and the first little section of road wasn't so bad. Like they were doing some road works like, oh yeah, they're just doing some road works. There's a bit of rough road. Oh, well, we'll get over it. And um, yeah, we drove through that and Kirsten drove for about 45 minutes and goes, oh, I've had about enough, as much as I can handle of uh, the rough and bumpy roads. Can you take over uh and i was like yep i'll take over um and we got we drove along and the roads were pretty good for a little while again and then it went back to absolute hell they were doing i'm not sure what they were doing if they're rebuilding the road or if they're in the process they've had some big storms or whatever it was um but there was a sign that said diversion which is like diversion or something like that um, whatever the Spanish is for diversion. Um, and there was a big sign that said the towns along the way and how far and how far it was and how long it was. And Guerrero Negro was the next sort of town stop that we had. And that was, I think it was only four, 
I think it was about 110 kilometers. Um, and to do 45 kilometers of that took us nearly four hours. There were, the roads were just the worst roads I've ever driven on in my life. Like this is a main highway and I don't know how you get through it without a four wheel drive just because of the ground clearance. Like I've been on four wheel drive tracks that were much, much better than that. They were massive big rocks and they were corrugated to the shit house and massive big potholes and washouts and it was crazy like there was a few spots where I had to stop put the Suburban into four-wheel drive low and like crawl up these rocky hills and that had rock slides so you had to climb up over the rocks and you'd get to certain parts of it and the road had split into three different roads and there was no signage whatsoever as to Okay, go left to go to this town, go right to go to this town, go straight to go this way. No, nah, it was eeny, meeny, miny, mo. have a guess. Um, and I think we only had to do like one U-turn and turn around and go back to the other spot. But some of them looked pretty dicey, like, oh, like, oh shit, I don't know if I'm going to get back through this. And if we have to drive all the way back to the one, it's going to be like a six or seven hundred kilometer detour to drive back all the way nearly to the u.s border then drive all the way across to the west and I'm like oh jesus um so yeah it took us nearly four hours to do about 50 kilometers uh, along this road which was just mental as anything like it was just constant bone sh shaking corrugation rocks and stones and potholes and it was just a crazy crazy did not expect for a main highway to be like that it was torture and I looked at Kirsten a few times I went if we get to the next town and we haven't had parts of this suburban fly to a million pieces I will be absolutely astonished and Shamu our big reliable whale kept on trucking all the way through we got out of highway five onto highway one and the road was a million times better it was still not it wasn't a great road but it was comparable to a country road in victoria somewhere like it was what you'd ex what more like what i was expecting like it was still narrow and thin and yeah sort of tense up a little bit is if a, a semi-trailer is coming towards you but um it was bearable and we we got about 45 minutes up the highway one and um there was traffic all banked up and stopped and we're like oh what now what's going on and um testament to how skinny some of these roads are there was a semi-trailer that had come the trailer the wheels of the trailer had come off the side of the road and fallen down into an embankment so it had completely blocked the road and the prime mover wasn't enough to drag it out. So they had some police and some assistance vehicles there. But of course, being a pretty rural part of Mexico, they didn't have like heavy haulage trucks that you would use to tow a truck out. So they were sort of a bit stuck and didn't know what to do. And the guy couldn't drive it out. He just sat there spinning his wheels. So another guy in a prime mover ended up pulling out past all the traffic and then moved back and sort of tried to drag him out and then the trailer nearly tipped over and everyone's sitting there on bated breath wondering what was going to happen and they ended up just stacking rocks under the wheels and it was a whole crazy exercise and they started to drag it out with the another prime mover in reverse um so that was another crazy part and they diverted us we had to basically just go bush and drive they diverted the traffic to just drive around it and drive on a little sort of side access road there um so we got back onto that and back up and um kept on sort of driving there and we drove all the way to a place called Guerrero Negro and by that time we were looking for a place to eat and looking to uh, get some food in our bellies and sort of get going and we'd been really looking forward to getting some authentic Mexican food so we pulled off and had uh, had lunch at a little hole in the wall Mexican restaurant sort of place and we just got a couple of tacos with cheese and ordered everything in Spanish which we were realizing how terrible we, we'd been listening to podcasts and practicing on Duolingo and we thought we'd had our uh, Spanish at some sort of reasonable level where we'd be able to communicate with people but we'd also been learning Spanish not Mexican Spanish so the pronunciation was a little bit different and without accents people couldn't quite understand what we were saying and we couldn't 
keep up with what they were saying like people in Mexico talk really really fast and they tend to mumble at the same time so we'd only if we picked up two or three words in a sentence we'd be lucky and was like oh again after the torture of the highway five and the long drive and not being able to properly communicate with people and then um we transferred we to manage our money a little bit more safely we we were keeping our money set in separate accounts not in accounts that could be accessed by our cards um but the problem with that is we needed wi-fi to be able to transfer money into the account to get more money out um which we needed to do which we planned to do in Guerrero Negro and we couldn't do that um and most of the fuel stations prefer or only take cash so we'd filled up that morning and had used up the majority of our cash so we were down to I think we had 20 or 30 US dollars left and about 500 pesos um which is about 30 dollars US left and we're a little bit stressed out about what was going on and we figured we'd figure it out once we got to Santa Rosalia, which was the next sort of main town. So we swapped drivers. Kirsten got in for a bit of a cruise. Um, and we'd been wave, waved through a couple of military checkpoints that day um, already between sort of where we got off the Highway 5 and uh, Guerrero Negro. Uh, again, full combat gear, military people, helmets, massive guns. Um, and they had been pretty relaxed, like... It seemed odd that they were so relaxed. They just sort of look at you, talk to you a little bit, make you one down your window. They'd have a peek in the car and then they'd sort of wave you along. And I went, oh, okay, that's sort of how it is. And Kirsten drove for a few hours into a place called San Ignacio. Um, and <laughs> that was the first time we'd been stopped and pulled over um, at a military checkpoint. And we got properly searched. Like we stopped and got pulled into a bay and they pulled nearly everything in the car, opened all of our packing cubes and went through our um, food storage boxes and all that sort of stuff and we were fine. We knew we had nothing to hide. We sort of just tried to make a little bit of conversation in Spanish with the military guys that were walking around but it's just one of those things that's pretty confronting to walk around with um, guys that are holding guns that are five feet long and fully automatic assault rifles and shit like that and they're in full combat gear looking through all your shit and you're like, oh... Are they going to be dodgy? Like, are they going to try to plant stuff on you? And we felt pretty relaxed because the guy next to us was in a lot of trouble. Um, the guy next to us was an American dude. And by the time the guy was like halfway through going through our car, he had, they'd found two jars of marijuana and two handguns, which guns are very illegal in Mexico. And he was in a lot of trouble. He did not look comfortable at all. Um, so he knew he was in a bit of strife. They sort of just went through our car, took our passport numbers down, um, and off we headed. So we headed down into Santa Rosalia. It was late in the afternoon by this point, so we just wanted to get to the place uh, in a little town just past there called San Bruno to make our camp for the night. And we headed down into the place where the campsite was, and we sort of looked at it. We started going along sort of sandy dirt roads again, and we're like, oh, it's not going to be... It's not going to be like this again, is it? Like, we're not going to get stuck again. And the campsite was about 500 metres to the other side of a spot where um, there was a massive big dip and a little bit of a creek that ran through it. And uh, I was like, oh, we're we going to get stuck again. Like, oh, what are we going to do? And it was a really skinny one-lane road, so we couldn't... We'd have to reverse all the way, probably a kilometre or two, back along this road. And then we sort of went, we went for a bit of a walk and we checked it out and um, seemed to have a, a good rocky base to it. And we're like, oh, okay, well, I suppose let's have a go. So we wound the Suburban up, put it in four-wheel drive low and across the puddle we went and we got there and there was a, a little, well, I'll call it a seafood shack sort of restaurant. And it was one of those places where the father and son go out in the mornings and collect all the fresh seafood and uh, the mama cooks it up for the, whoever can get through there in the afternoon and there was a couple of American couples there and we are sort of looking a little bit lost and confused and we sort of stood around for a little bit and then we walked over to them and said, oh hey, do you guys know if there's a campsite near here? And they sort of looked at each other perplexed and were like, no, I don't think there is and 
He goes, oh, she'll probably let you camp here if you just ask. And we went, oh, yeah, okay. And we sort of sat down with them and got chatting and got talking about our trip and all the rest of it. And the, one of the American couples looked at us and went, oh, why don't you just come stay with us? And we cursed and I sort of looked at each other and went, oh, okay. Um, sure, like, do you mind if we just set up tent, like, just outside your house? And they're like, yeah, yeah you can do that. That's no worries. Um, and then by the time we sort of sat there for another few minutes and talked and got to know them a little bit better that invited us to stay in their spare room and um yeah that's how we met our our new friends Helen and Wiley and they sort of took us in for the night and that was um that was that that was our first few days in Baja California and it was definitely a roller coaster it was that had some really nice highs and some pretty stressful lows but uh we had worked it out and that will be the end of this episode so um hope you enjoyed that one the next episodes i'll probably it'll probably be a two-part series uh about our trip through the rest of baja california i'll be doing it with kirsten um there so make sure you stay tuned for that one hope you enjoyed and uh listen tuned for the outro Thanks for listening to that episode. Hope you enjoyed hearing about our adventures through Arizona, Joshua Tree, and our first few days in Baja, California. Uh, The next episodes, as I said, will be Kirsten and I together talking about the rest of our time in Baja, um, the highs, the lows, and everything in between. Um, That we went down through La Paz and Cabo San Lucas and then back up to our friends uh, Helen and Wiley. So listen out for that one. Uh, Don't forget to check us out on social media. Facebook and Instagram for me is TST Travel Podcast. Uh, don't forget to check out Kirsten's blog as well, theroamingstreet.com or The Roaming Street on Facebook and Instagram. Drop us a comment, let us know where you're listening or reading from. Um, leave us reviews, we love to hear feedback from uh, wherever you may be listening from in the world. And uh, yeah, really excited to hear from you guys. Hope you enjoyed that one and uh, listen out for the next one. Thanks a lot. Bye.